Most Podcast. Nick Hales is the American partner, and Joshua Johnson is here to make you laugh, challenge your mind, and help you build a foundation. This is the Dynasty Folk, presented by the Dynasty Football Wheel. Dynasty Pulse Podcast, NFC East edition. I am your host, Joshua Johnson. With me, as always, is the NFC East fan on staff here. Or should I say the Washington Redskins fan on staff. It's Nick Hale to the Redskins wagon. What's up, buddy? Oh, not much. I would definitely be more accurate to calling it the Redskins fan rather than the NFC East fan. So, you know, if everybody wants to take everything I say today with a grain of salt, I don't blame you one bit. How are you doing today, Josh? <laughs> Uh, and I thought you'd be excited about this podcast, but um, uh, maybe not. Um, uh, I'm doing all right, doing all right. And I'm going to be awesome in about 45 minutes when our buddy uh, Mark T. Wilson joins us. Um, I've said it before and I'll say it again. There's some really good people out there in this business, but there's not too many people that are just better dudes than Mark T. Wilson. So always always a pleasure to have Mark come, come and talk uh, on our show. He's uh a Philadelphia Eagles fan in the heart of New York City. So that's, that's really all you need to know. He's gonna he's gonna make you laugh, and he's gonna get. We're gonna probably make him mad a little bit. It's gonna be fun. Always a pleasure to have Mark come back. So looking forward to that. So obviously, yeah, we're looking at the teams here in the NFC East today. Um, we've got some of the normal things we do: a little plant your flag and wash your hands for these teams in this division. Uh, some dynasty trade analysis couple dynasty dilemmas for you i got a prospect profile for you as well and then uh yeah we're going to end with nick's redskins best for last right uh next week i was nice enough to give nick the week off so um our buddy uh from fake pigskin.com ron mcleese is going to be filling in for a portion of the show uh for nick as we talk about the teams in the nfc north and of course our girl Sonya Greenfield from NFL Female is coming back to talk about her Detroit Lions. So that should be that should be fun next week. Even though I will be minus Nick, uh, we'll still I'll still have fun because I got might as well had since Nick's not going to be here, might as well have two two great great friends come back. So um, I guess before we really get started, Nick, any thoughts just like on the news of the past week or so, just all, all the free agent rumblings and happenings. Well, you know, we basically saw the big wave the first day or two of free agency, and things have kind of slowed down a little bit since then. But, yeah, there's been some good signings, you know. I think uh, the Lamar Miller to Houston, I think, is probably the biggest fantasy signing uh, as far as uh, possible upside. Such a young running back there. I think he's only 25. So, yeah, there's a lot of upside to be had there in Lamar Miller if they can use him right the way Miami never was able to figure out. Um other than that, you know, a lot of receivers changing homes. Uh, you know, Jermaine Kearse re-signing with Seattle. I think that was surprising to some. Uh, Mohamed Sanu's $32 million deal. I think 
Uh, a lot of people didn't think he'd get that kind of money, but good for him for being able to get that. Uh, Marvin Jones, his former teammate in Cincinnati, the $40 million deal in Detroit. Uh, just a few of the big names that moved around. Yeah. Um, man, I like the new opposite opposite Julio. I think you've got to be intrigued by this situation. Um, I would have liked him more in New England, but that's okay. I'll get over it. Um uh, just in case you missed it last week, we did an, a night show for the regular podcast, and we had had Luke Grilly come on, kind of a free agency show, and it was you know, it was on Wednesday amongst all those happenings. So if you missed that last week, make sure you go go back and check that out. And um, the next night, me and Mike Kraft got together and did a uh, a prospect show devoted to quarterbacks, tight ends, and offensive linemen. So make sure you check that out. Um, Wherever you're listening to the podcast, if there's this place uh, to leave comments, please do. We we want to hear from you. And if there's uh, you listen on iTunes, give us uh, give us a nice rating. It helps us spread the word to those out there that want to listen to the kind of stuff that we do. So we would appreciate that. Um, I thought I had something to say, but let's get to plant your flag or wash your hands. Oh, first one, Nick. I had so much high hopes for this guy. And it's just, I mean, we're going to probably talk a little bit more about the Giants running back cluster here. But let's start with Andre Williams, third year, Boston College. Was supposed to be a between-the-tackle stumper. Just just not getting the chance. What do you think? Yeah, I'm going to wash my hands of Andre Williams. I prefer Orleans Darkwa at this point. You know, 3.3 yards Whoa. per carry as a rookie. And then down to 2.9 yards per carry last year, under 260 yards, only had one touchdown, so he's not even a goal line threat. Uh, on the positive side, he hasn't lost a fumble in over 300 touches in the NFL, so you know at least he's not turning the ball over. But still, I, I just I haven't seen enough. But I'm washing my hands. I'm going to sell low on Andre Williams. Is he just not? Uh, does he not hit the line quick enough? I just, I mean, he seems to have the power. He just doesn't have the the gusto to break anything i just yeah it's very it's very frustrating oh i knew what i was going to say earlier you know you talked about the lamar miller signing you know that i still against him since i dilemmaed against him last week but um the last two mock drafts i've seen from the last couple of days i'm just you know i always read them if somebody posts them online i check them out um one of them was chris collins for the very first try which is you know whatever uh but uh both that and another one I saw today had the Texans still taking a running back in the first round. You think Lamar Miller's going to get stuff or uh, get Trey Mason like uh, Todd Gurley did do him last year? Uh, it's nice to have weapons, but I think if Houston's going to add a weapon, they need to go to a receiver, don't you think? You would think, definitely, especially after committing four years, $26 million to the running back position already. It would be tough to imagine them taking a running back before the fourth round, I would think. Okay, let's get to uh, one of your Redskins. I think he's got probably got a little bit more value on the rise now that uh, Alfred Morris is no longer in town. But what do you think about Chris Thompson? Well, he's kind of a boomer bust guy. He's got a long injury history. He was only active for six games in his first two seasons. But he uh, emerges as a quality third down back in year three. Uh, 35 carries for 216 yards on the ground, another 35 catches for 240 yards and two scores receiving. Uh, he did have shoulder surgery after the season, so he didn't stay completely healthy, but he did play most of the year. And If he stays healthy, I think his numbers should go up, but I just I personally don't trust it. I'm going to... Yeah, if I can get good value in return, I'm going to wash my hands. I'm not going to cut him, though. Yeah, maybe 
maybe look to the Matt Jones owners and see if he can do something there. He's kind of uh, more or less the Marcel Reese of that team, uh, just kind of the big the big guy that makes some plays out of the backfield every now and then. So, yeah, you know, I have him, and I think geez, I'm so sick of looking at my dynasty teams this offseason and just seeing, like, it's like, oh, I have all these running backs and nobody worth a damn. But I have him on a couple teams, so it's kind of hard for me to, you know, you really just have to, you know, investigate and look at what you have, but it's it's hard for me to let somebody go that could possibly be, you know, see an uptick in touches. So I'm, I'm, I think I would hold on Chris Thompson, just because, you know, and maybe unless you know Washington adds a as a a dynamic running back at some point in time during the draft, I think I think Thompson's still going to see his this year. What do you think about Cole Beasley, the slot man there in Dallas? Well, if the current pecking order remains the same, Des Bryant, Terrence Williams, with Cole Beasley, the wide receiver three, I'm going to definitely plant my flag. Uh, his numbers have gone up every year, 120 yards, 360 yards, 420, and then 530 yards last year. His touchdowns went from zero to two to four to five. And those career highs last year were without Tony Romo for most of the season. So I think the I think Cole Beasley is trending up. I'm going to plant my flag. <sighs> Don't you think the Heat? He was was uh, successful when Des wasn't there too, though. I mean, Des missed some time too. Yeah, that's definitely a good point. You know, uh, when when uh, Des or if Terrence Williams were to get hurt, uh, Cole Beasley is a guy that can step in and take on a larger role in that offense. So, yeah, I I think he's a good uh, good investment right now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's he's certainly not a not a start every week type of player, but you know, if you can. Have him around for a bye week, and you know, like Nick said, if somebody's if somebody in Dallas gets hurt, you know, Beasley's going to see that uptick in targets, and and Romo likes the guy, so we'll, we'll, might as well keep him around. Um, Keon Barner, what do you what do you think about this uh, third third running back there on the Eagles? I know, I know you're a fan of the former Oregon Duck, but uh, you know, there's a lot of a lot of speculation. Uh, I'm adding to it that Philadelphia is probably traded up. What a slick move, by that way get rid of two big contracts and trading up five spots in the draft. Uh, so they're picking eight now. I think a lot of people are thinking they're taking Ezekiel Elliott if he is indeed there. So does that, does that mean Barnard is even going to be on this team next year? What do you think? Yeah, I mean, maybe I'm nuts, but I'm tentatively planting my flag as, you know, if he is on the team and they don't draft a running back, he could be the running back number two. Darren Sproles doesn't really qualify as, like, a number two back. He's more of just an offensive weapon in my mind. But, uh, you know, now that DeMarco Murray's gone, Ryan uh, Ryan Matthews has never been one to stay healthy. So as as cheap as you can get Kenyon Barner right now, I think I'm going to plant my flag. You know, he's some of the stash, of course, not somebody to rely on. It's going to be one of your starters next season. But And, you know, like you mentioned, I am a little biased. I really liked him at Oregon. But I'm going to hold on to him for now. But, you know, of course, like you said, there's got to be a short leash if they were to draft a running back or something like that. Yeah, and he didn't he have did he have like a three hundred yard game at Oregon or something like that? I mean, he had. Oh, was that was that DeAnthony Thomas? One of those guys had a, just a monster, one huge monster game at Oregon. Can't remember. Um, yeah, you know if the Eagles don't draft a running back in the first like five rounds, I, I think. But I just I just don't know. I mean, I know. I, I know you love him and all, and I don't think he's ever really gotten a fair shake wherever he's been. Um, so, you know, 
you know, even if Philly drafts a drafts a running back early and they cut him, if he gets another shot with another team, he's still an intriguing option because I think nobody's ever, you know, really let him let him loose. You know, he could be a Deion Lewis, he could be a Tim Hightower. We just don't know. I mean, he's a small guy, but uh, uh, you know, we'll see. And you know, maybe having spending a couple of years with uh, Darren Sproles, if he went elsewhere, that could certainly help him out. So, oh, already suspended four games for the start of this year, Nick. What do we think about that Nebraska toker there, Randy Gregory? Well, in 12 games that he played, he had 11 tackles, zero sacks. Now, like you mentioned, the four-game suspension. He had issues in college as well. You know, I wasn't buying him last summer, and I'm definitely washing my hands now if I if I did have it. Yeah, it seems, you know, even in full IDPs, I'm sure he didn't spend much more than, you know, like a force on this guy, but... Yeah, I don't think you. Could, I don't know if and you could get anything in return value for for trading. You know, unless there's some ludicrous Cowboys fan in your league. Um, and we know there are a few of those out there. But um, yeah, I mean, he's. I would just straight up cut him. I mean, I don't know why you're even hold on to, holding on to him. I would. I would much less have um, Ola Digazula out of New York, even though they got two guys in front, two or three guys in front of him. So. And he only had seven tackles last year. Um, speaking of New York, what do we think about Willie Ty, New York Giants tight end out of Stony Brook? Well, for he, for me, he's a big time plant my flag uh, type of guy. Larry Donnell, you know, we don't know if he's ever going to return from that neck injury he suffered last year. He still hasn't been cleared, to my knowledge. Uh, for, and you look at Will Ty's stats from week ten on. He only had one game under ten fantasy points in PPR leagues and three touchdowns over that span. You know, even if Donnell does return, I wouldn't be surprised if Ty ended up being the better producer among the two tight ends. Yeah, I like Ty a lot, and I and I have him in a league where I need some tight ends. Um, he's a, I just remembered his school, and he's he's the Stony Brook Seawolves. That's their mascot. I like to look up all the all the mascots when I'm doing the mock draft, and they have a they have a prospect this year named Victor Ochi, so I had to look that up. But uh, it's a pretty good team. All right, name there. I thought the Seawolves, but anyway, yeah, like Nick said, Ty closed the season very very well, and. Obviously, you know, they have some receiver talent on that team, and he's he's not a guy that's so – he's certainly not a, a high-volume tight end, but he's a guy that's not going to not gonna kill you by any means because he's going he's gonna to get his, and he's able, able, to, able to create some things in the red zone last year too. So, yeah, I think, I think Ty is certainly a, certainly a, hold, a hold for me there too. So, um, gosh, another red skin here, Nick. Uh, kind of slowly been trickling away. I don't know. I don't even – know what's what his future holds there but what do you think about perry riley there well he had 128 tackles in 2012 down to 115 in 2013 and only 44 tackles in a limited role last year uh the team just seems to want to replace him and i worry that he's not a good fit for what they want to do defensively now since jim Haslett was uh fired uh, at the end of you know, two seasons ago. You know, as of now, he's listed as a starter. But I would, if I if I could find a trade partner for him, I definitely would. I wouldn't cut him yet, but I would definitely be trying to trade him. Uh, yeah. It's um, what else do they have going on in the middle there now with Robinson in New York? It's, don't don't they have a young uh, a young player? Yeah, a young player, a Compton. I think would probably be the Compton, next guy up there. Yeah. Yeah. So. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, I guess we'll see we'll see how that situation works out. We'll talk about Keenan Robinson here in a in a few, but uh, yeah, I don't I don't know about Riley. Like I said, you, you just even just looking at his stat lines, you just see the slow the slow trickle away, you know. And he's maybe a guy if he gets a shot with a contender and they have an injury, he could certainly you know use his his better his better know how to to come through. But yeah, I just I just don't know if you can have much. Uh, Faith in him. I know some people in full IDPs are still rostering him, but uh, it's always interesting being in uh, the DFW 36 and uh, 48 now too. But with uh, three copies of each player, it's always interesting to see who's a, who's a free agent. You can see, you know, like if maybe two teams own them, but one person doesn't, or you know, one team there's there's still a free agent. It's interesting to see those players that are not owned you know don't don't have three owners that are only have like one or two and he's certainly one of those guys so people are holding strong or waiting you know maybe waiting to tell uh august roster cuts too but i'll just talk about these new york giants uh, excuse me dear victor cruz nick what can we expect from thee are we ever going to see uh victor with a with a helmet again will we ever see that salsa again what do you think nick well, I mean, I think he'll play again, but, you know, you look at uh, what he's done recently, six games in 2014, zero games last year. In his 20 games in uh, 2013 and 2014, he had less combined yards and touchdowns than he had in his one breakout year in 2011. Uh, in 2014, he had 337 yards in those six games. So, you know, approximately 1,000 yards if he had played the, all 16 games. He's just not the same player he was, period. And now he can't stay or even get healthy. You know, of course, he could surprise me and stay healthy and go off again, but uh, he's a boomer bust guy, and I'd say he has a lot, he's a lot more likely to be a bust. But, you know, if you ask me if he's going to ever play again, yeah, I think we'll see him on the field. Yeah, I just don't know what we can, what we can rightfully expect from him. It's just, um, you know, it's a, it's a situation that that's, that's hard to see a guy, you know, a guy that was, you know, certainly playing very well and where he had some somewhat of a decline that that's such a huge injury to try to overcome. And you just, you don't, you don't, you don't ever wish that on somebody, but uh, not, yeah, not a good situation there for, uh, for, um, excuse me, for uh, Victor Cruz. And hopefully, you know, hopefully we can see some flashes again, but I don't think too many people are going to be uh, counting on him dynasty wise. So, um, what about uh, Shane Vereen? Is he the back to own? I mean, I've seen some mocks having running backs linked to this team as well, Nick. I mean, at least Vereen's the guy that gets receptions. What do you think? Yeah, if I had to pick one, it would be Vereen, especially in PPR leagues, of course. But I really would rather not have any of them. Uh, I would say Vereen, if they don't draft another running back, Rashad Jennings are kind of a toss-up. Uh, Jennings had the edge in rushing yards, 863 to 260. Uh, Vereen, of course, is more active in the passing game, 59 catches for almost 500 yards and four touchdowns, uh, compared to Jennings, 29 catches, almost 300 yards and one score. Um, all four New York Giants running backs played in all 16 games last year. That made it very hard to trust any of them in fantasy terms. Uh, you know, Andre Williams, getting back to him uh, real quick, he's a guy I just want no part of. You look at Vereen, Jennings, and Orleans Darqua, all averaged 4.3 to 4.4 yards per carry. So that makes Andre Williams only getting 2.9 yards per carry really stand out to me. I, I just I don't trust him at all. Um, Just – 
just a note of interest. I, I, I was I was checking here where you're talking. Willie Ty did get a uh, exclusive rights free agent tag or tender, excuse me. So I don't I don't know what what exactly that transfers to if you want to trade for him. But uh, the Giants do expect him to be a big part of the offense moving forward there. So good news for Willie Ty owners, myself included. Um, as far as the running backs, yeah, Vereen is is really the guy that you. Have you know, you pull the trigger on what round fifteen of of a startup if he's still there. Um, oh, I want to hold out hope for Andre Williams, but you know, I'll I'll be the only one. You guys can go ahead. You guys can go ahead and cut him. I do have him in a couple leagues, so I'm stuck with him. But um, yeah, Jennings is you know he's getting close to thirty. He 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 has been a, a decent dual threat, but any time he's had that uptick in touches, he gets hurt. Um, Arlen's Darkwa. Um, the Tulane Green Wave, uh, formerly of the Tulane Green Wave, who are coincidentally in New Orleans, hence the name, I guess, Arlen's Darkwa. Um, I don't, I don't really hold out much hope for him. I mean, he scored a touchdown last year, and there was this little dynasty rumble. I don't think we're going to see anything more than that. And I would not be surprised to see this team take a take a running back like as early as round two. So I've seen some other have, teams having them do it round one, but. Uh, you know, I feel like every team has been linked to Ezekiel Elliott, Nick. I don't know. I don't know how you feel, but uh, it's kind of that's kind of the it's kind of the dynasty golden boy, the gem right now. But uh, yeah, like Nick said, you don't want any of these giants. But if you have to have one, by default, it's the PPR managed team for Reen. Uh, me and him have fought our battles over the years. Yeah, just leave it at that. Uh, Keenan Robinson, Nick. Struggled a little bit down the stretch for his last his last year or so there in Washington. Is he the answer in the middle for Washington? And I and I know as a Redskins fan you're probably going to be hoping not, but what what do you really think? Well, you look at the situation for the Giants linebackers. John Beeson again was unable to stay healthy. Only played in five games last year. Uh, Keenan Robinson did have a promising 2014. In 13 starts, he had 104 tackles, but he just was not very good last year. He lost his starting role to guys like Will Compton and Mason Foster. Those aren't exactly blue chip names by any means. Uh, he's going to have some IDP value as long as he starts there in New York, but I'm just not fully trusting him yet. I wouldn't be surprised at all if New York added some competition in the draft uh, for a starting job there with Keaton Robinson in the middle. Yeah, and they, you know, they already do have guys that can play that uh, Uni Anga who replaced Beeson and was, came busting out of the gate early there. He's cert- certainly still an option there. Um, uh, Jonathan Casillas, who who is technically listed as, as an outside strong side linebacker, um, played a ton last year and was very IDP worthy in, in full format. So they have some they have some people that will certainly push him there. Um yeah, well it's interesting situation to see how it develops because, you know, like geez, two years two years ago it was it was it almost seemed like Robinson was probably one of the better linebackers in football and he just seems like he's he's really taken a turn unfortunately. So uh do I think he's the answer? Um I think he's going to get the opportunity. So, like Nick said, he's certainly worthy in full IDP formats, and and if you have him, you're obviously not cutting him loose. So, uh, uh, but I don't, you know, I don't think that we're going to get what we saw of him, you know, a couple of years ago. That's for sure. Uh, what do you think about biggest draft needs for this team here, Nick? 
Well, to me, I start off with wide receiver. Uh, Victor Cruz is unreliable. Ruben Randall's a free agent. So now they have Odell Beckham and Dwayne Harris is the other starter at wide receiver. So I think if there's a receiver that they like that falls to them, I think they definitely got to go there. Uh, they could also maybe go linebacker or possibly another safety to pair with Landon Collins. But still, I, I go back to receiver. I think that's probably the direction they look. Yeah, um, you know, with with the addition to Robinson, you, you're starting to see – you know the the early mock tag in at ten there for the Giants was Reggie Ragland. That seemed like a seemed like a um, a good comp there, but um, a good a good addition there. But we'll we'll see how we'll see how it works out. You know they've added pieces to that front line already with uh, with Vernon, who we'll talk about later in Dynasty Dilemma versus Fletcher Cox. Um, they added Harrison. I got Hankins coming back off injury, you know, JPP, Kerry Wynn. So the, the defense, you know, they've done, I think they've done well. You know, people think, oh, yeah, they spent a bunch of money. But I think they've actually done pretty good for themselves so far in free agency. Um, we could always, you know, if there's an offensive lineman there, you could always use a quality offensive line with like somebody that slips like that. Um, but, uh, yeah, Nick's probably right there with uh, with receiver. It, it doesn't seem like this is a class where you want to take a receiver at 10, uh, but if it is their their biggest need, and obviously it'll, you know, it might be a, at, that high in the draft, it could be a best player available type of situation. Um, and, you know, and we talked about the Ezekiel Elliott thing too. I think it'll be interesting to see where he goes because – I've seen him in mocks from pick four to uh, you know to pick thirty two so or pick thirty one to the to Denver so we'll see we'll see how somebody early how early somebody pulls that trigger on a running back but uh, yeah any uh, any anybody you think uh, would fit the bill there last mock I saw the Collinsworth one I think Nick had Coleman going there you know and that's I mean what are they Cleveland Browns, no receivers under over six foot tall. I mean, come on, you need you need a big guy opposite Odell, right? You need a guy like Ruben Randall that can climb the ladder if needed, don't you think? Yeah, I think that would be uh, the optimal situation if they if they could find a bigger guy. So maybe somebody like a Treadwell if they really like him. I, that might be a little bit of a reach there at ten. I don't know. Maybe they could trade trade back a little bit to plan somebody like that. Yeah, and he doesn't need to be, you know, six five. I mean, six two, six one would be, uh, you know, anything anything over six foot, and you can get some get some vertical out of the guy. So, uh, it is time for dynasty trade analysis. Um, some good ones here, um, and Jesus, another one that just came through before we uh, got going on the podcast. We're probably gonna have to wait till next week. So, time for dynasty trade analysis. Okay, just a reminder, you're listening to the Dynasty Pulse podcast here on Blog Talk Radio with Nick Wagner and Joshua Johnson. We're talking NFC East and their Dynasty uh, dynasty respo- responsibilities, Dynasty implications of this offseason so far. Uh, we're going to have Mark T. Wilson joining us here in about 18 minutes. Our timing is perfect, Nick. Uh, but we're talking Dynasty trade analysis right now. Uh, T.J. Yeldon for Bilal Powell, 
pick 1.46 and a 2017 second round pick. So that's basically equal to like pick 1.11. You're seeing a 12 team league. This is from DFW 48. What do you think? What are your thoughts there, Nick? Um, I like the trade for uh, the person that unloaded TJ Yeldon. Um, you know, Bilal Powell, that's kind of a throwaway there, but getting a late first and uh, next year's second round pick for a running back who basically just got probably benched in, uh, due to the fact that Jacksonville signed Chris Ivory to a five year, $32 million contract. Uh, the future is pretty cloudy there for Yeldon. So, you know, being able to get two pretty good picks for him, I like that trade. Yeah, and I don't think. Powell will throw away. He was a decent PPR guy. And you, you definitely noticed the games that he missed last year for this team. I think he you know, actually only missed one, but they, they, they worked him in well. And, you know, with an older running back in Forte, it's not a bad idea to have to have that backup handcuff there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that means that I'm, I, I agree there. If you Nick, you're getting those two, for, getting that first round and a second round pick, you know, Yeldon's probably a mid- a mid first, so you're getting a late first and a second a year from now. On top of that, you know we'll see we'll see what the future holds for Yeldon Yeld there. I mean, I still think he's going to see I would say a 60% majority, uh, but um, and probably but obviously a better PPR option because Ivory can't catch it all. I don't think, but um, but yeah, I, it's a, I think it's a, that means that I do think it's a fair trade because you know Powell's Powell's future isn't you know set in stone either there too so uh jordy nelson holy jordy nelson julius thomas for teddy bridgewater brandon cooks and the 2017 second um i think it's a pretty even trade so i i think the the extra draft pick the 2017 second round probably uh tilts the trade slightly in the favor of that side but uh you, you know you look at getting rid of julius uh Jordy Nelson and swapping him for Brandon Cooks. You're getting younger at the receiver position. Uh, you're getting a pretty good young quarterback for uh, for Julius Thomas, and then plus the extra draft pick. So I like the side that gets to pick up Cooks and Bridgewater just just a little bit better. Yeah, because you're getting you're getting younger and you're getting that uh, getting even younger with that second round pick. So we don't know how Jordy's going to come back. Thomas looks decent you know he looked decent when he was healthy last year but we don't know how the how much that's going to stay this year and you know, there's a lot of weapons there a lot of a lot of mouth to feed so to speak there in jacksonville so yeah, i like that side too um amari cooper pick 1.37 pick pick 4.20 for jordan matthews pick 1.26 pick 3.42 and a 2017 first did you get all that uh, yeah, and to be honest, uh, to me, this one comes down to uh, what does that 2017 first-round pick look like? Is it looking like it's going to be one of the higher picks in the draft, or is it going to be a late uh, late first-rounder? If it's a late first-rounder, I don't like getting rid of Cooper at all. Um, you know, Jordan Matthews had a big problem with drop balls last year, uh, and, you know, it's just not, not a great rookie class this year to be picking up that, uh, to be moving up a little bit in the draft. So it just depends on what kind of uh, draft pick you're getting in 2017. Mm, and the guy that actually traded Cooper moved up in the first. So, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think it's actually a pretty fair trade. You know, it's, it's basically Cooper at first, you know, Cooper late first and mid second for Matthews, the mid first and the, and the future first, and then throw in that 
late third rounder. So I think it's I think it's a pretty even trade. I think there's people still holding out a lot of hope for Jordan Matthews, and I, and I'm one of them, obviously an owner of his. But I, I think he still has a has a good future, and and we'll talk about that when we, when we get to the Eagles here with Mark. But I think he's going to see some he's going to see probably some different positioning along the along the offense there, and I think they'll, they'll use him in a variety of ways just because he's he has the uh, the size advantage in that in that uh, roster right now with Riley Cooper gone. So I, I think, I think it's a pretty fair trade. I, I, I as much as a Raiders Raiders Homer that I am, I, I, and I don't like trading Cooper, I would love to trade for him, but uh, I think it's a, I think it's a pretty fair deal. So um, Aaron Rodgers and Duke Johnson for Amari Cooper and Jace Amara. What do you think? Um, I'm thinking this is probably a very fair trade. You know, obviously one side needed a quarterback for a guy like Aaron Rodgers, still a top five uh, dynasty quarterback by all means. And, you know, Duke Johnson in PPR leagues is a pretty good option, whereas Amari Cooper is obviously one of the top young stud receivers in the NFL. That side obviously needed a receiver. And then Jason Morrow, who knows, I guess he's worth a flyer, keeps a stash on your roster. So I, I think it's, this trade is about as even as it gets in my mind. Yeah, I mean, you look at, you know, if you want to consider Cooper Markey, I, I certainly do, and I, Rogers certainly is as well. So you've got Markey player for Markey player for, you know, backup running back and uh, a potential, you know, what a tight end twelve there in Amaro if if he if he comes through. I think I think we're going to see some decent things out of Amaro. So yeah, like Nick said, pretty fair trade. I think um, I think Rogers. Is you know while he's been very very good, I think, and he could be you know solid for five more years. I just I think we're we're you know they're going to need to keep surrounding him with weapons, and I'm not sure besides Randall Cobb that I trust a whole lot of other people in that offense right now at this time. So we'll 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 see. I would think I would give the slight edge to Cooper because you know he's just yeah he's my boy. <laughs> I, I I love him, and I think he's. I think he's got great things ahead of him. Um, time for Nick rants. Each and every week I give my co-host the floor to rant about something that's bothering him. What am I going to do next week, Nick? I'm going to have to rant about you not being there? Um, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, a well-deserved vacation next week. So, But I will miss Nick rants. But sometimes I like to call it uh, often controversial. Sometimes I like to call it shot fired. Um but uh, almost every time, I agree with Nick, and it's usually pretty awesome. So what do you got for us? Well, recently the NFL stripped the Kansas City Chiefs of a third-round pick for tampering, saying the team was in contact or too much contact, whatever, with uh, soon-to-be free agent Jeremy Macklin in 2015. But I'm going to make the case that the league should be going after the player and his agent at least as hard as they're punishing the team. Now, when a player is a free agent, he is selling his services to one of 32 prospective buyers, right? So the NFL is saying something illegal, or at least against league rules anyway, happened in that particular transaction. Now, when the police investigate an illegal transaction, say a drug deal, are they usually more focused on busting the buyer or the seller? Now, I've never been a police officer or a member of a drug cartel, but I did watch a few seasons of The Wire back in the day, so I'm almost an expert, right? (laughs) And I assure you, they always pursue the seller. That's what you do if you want a chance to stop in the problem. There's always going to be another addict looking to score, just as there will always be teams looking for a quick fix. 
say, an injection of talent to their roster. So I suggest somewhere between a two- and four-game suspension for the player and even harsher penalties for the agent if he or she was involved. First offense and the agent cannot sign any or represent any players in the upcoming rookie draft class. Second offense and the agent loses that player and another lost rookie class. Third offense and you're done. The agent is no longer allowed to represent NFL players. As it stands now, there is no incentive for agents and players not to break the rules, and until that changes, the tampering is going to continue. But a three-strike system on paper could become a de facto two-strike system, I think. I mean, if you were a player, would you want to sign an agent that is that close to being tossed out of the league? I wouldn't. So I think that would uh, that's a system that would put an end to this tampering nonsense real quick. What do you think, Josh? Um, you know, I don't, uh, necessarily, um, agree with it, but then they have this weird thing, like, I do agree with you, but they have this weird thing, like, um, the legal tampering period for the first two days. I mean, when they create a gray area, it's just going to give people more, more, you know, more leash to to do stuff like this. And and I and I like the fact that you think that we should punish everybody involved and not just the team because ultimately, you know, the team does benefit from signing the player and hopefully their team does too, but you know, everybody else, the player and you know, the the agent getting his 27% cut or whatever, whatever that is, you know, they benefit financially. So, I mean, the team is the one that's paying these people money for their services, but they're the one that gets, gets punished. That doesn't make any sense. So, um, yeah, good, good rant there. Any, any other thoughts there, Nick? No, I think I pretty much got everything I wanted to say off my chest. Okay, well, the Philadelphia Eagles man, Mark, is going to be joining us here in about seven minutes. So why don't we just push up the prospect profile here? I only got one, but I want to talk about uh, Devondre Campbell. Not a lot, a lot of people talking about this guy. Um, my Philadelphia Eagles guy, uh, different Philadelphia Eagles guy, I should say, Fran Duffy is is about him, and and I've certainly. Uh, been intrigued now that I've had some chance to watch film on him. Uh, a little bit of a different mold. Uh, so Devondre Campbell, Minnesota, Golden Gophers, 6'4", 232, uh, listed as an outside linebacker, uh, 4'5", 40 time, though. So that's pretty nice um, for an outside linebacker, obviously. Uh, great open field tackler. Um, crafty in, in, in lateral pursuit, and he understands angles uh has never been asked to be an edge crusher which is why he's not going to get selected in the first three rounds of the draft uh, but he can cover uh, running backs and tight ends he also uses his length very very well and he has I, I have seen him on film chop down guys like josh doxson and tyler irvin who i think are two of the most gifted athletes in this class uh, he can play outside or inside linebackers. That's a nice, nice combo there. Uh, some versatility. Um, I could also believe that he could be an in-the-box strong safety if asked, and I would trust him uh, in press coverage against even like a small shifty slot man. Um, almost always attacks the ball carrier's thigh, which is 
just textbook tackling. I love that when you see guys smartly tackle players. Um, we'll be a game-changing special teams player, I think, early, and that's going to lead to hopefully more more defensive success for him, even if it's a sub-package type of thing. He does need his to use his speed to stop plays in the backfield rather than uh, wait for the play to come to him. He's he's he doesn't have the I think the greatest instincts and he kind of he kind of freezes there a little bit as he tries to see how the play is going to develop. And now if he can use that speed to to bust things up for uh, for losses of for yards loss of yards, that's going to certainly help help him get onto the field. Uh, could be much better suited as an inside linebacker rather than an outside linebacker. Maybe he can be that coverage inside linebacker that you know takes the tight end over the middle, or you know tries to disrupt the running back in the wheel route. So IDP wise, I think he's a late round pick, fourth or fifth round, probably um, in the actual NFL draft. Uh, any any questions there, Nick, about Mr. Devon Devondre Campbell? Well, just looking at the measurables that you mentioned, 6'4", 232, uh, running a sub-4, 640, that sounds a lot more like a strong safety to me. And you mentioned a little bit like that you think he could play in the box. Was he asked to do any of that in Minnesota, or was he strictly a linebacker in college? Well, um, it sounds weird to say it's kind of hard to tell the package that the Gophers are in because of their uniforms. Uh, but uh, he, he – mainly did outside and inside linebacker. I don't think he necessarily played any strong safety, but I, you know, if they went up to the line and didn't have the right person, person, right personnel, excuse me, on the field, you do see him kind of, kind of kick out and be, and be that extra guy along the line. Um, you know, he does it. He does kind of line up in situations like Jeremy Cash does out of Duke, who is certainly a safety, where you know he's he's up on the line, you know, especially if it's if it's if it's a running play. So, um, but yeah, it's it's he seems kind of tall for a safety, and you you wonder about um, you know like a, like a three cone time or something like that. I think that would tell a lot of people what uh, what he could do there at the next level. But I think you know, like I said, even if it's a sub package thing early, I think he could certainly play the play that strong safety role i mean j ron kirsch out of clemson is basically the same type of size a uh, little bit a uh, little bit thinner so i mean you get a guy like campbell up on the line against even a small slot receiver if he if they can you know press coverage and really disrupt his route it's gonna it's gonna throw off the quarterback if he looks to his progressions and that guy's not what he's supposed to be. So, uh, but just a great, a great tackler. And I think that's going to be his, his IDP key there. I think it's obviously landing spots going to be huge as it always is. Uh, but uh, like if he went to a team like uh, green Bay, I think even Dallas that would use it, that would, that could use him in some interesting ways early on. Um, even Arizona would be, would be interesting to get him, you know, get him over top of the uh, the newly acquired Chandler Jones there in Arizona. That would be an interesting interesting fit there. So yeah, I think I think there's a lot of things that he can do, and uh, teams are going to find that out. Even though he'll be a, a later round pick, teams will find that out relatively early. Um, as I was talking here, Nick, uh, Daniel Jeremiah, Mister Move the Sticks himself, uh, tweeted out that William Jackson is a more explosive Rashard Breland. What do you, what do you, 
what do you think about that? Have you had a chance to watch any film on the Houston corner? I know he was he was blazing at the combine. I think I think he can get get used to somebody that they, they've given him Breland praise. And Breland's certainly been a pretty good player so far for the Skins. Yeah, Breland really has been a great surprise for the Redskins. Uh, so yeah, if he's a more explosive version of Breland, then he should be a pretty fairly high draft pick on draft day. I haven't had a chance to watch film on him yet, but like you said, that's very high praise for the young man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a guy that's creeping into the first round discussion. There are teams that need cornerbacks, like you know Carolina. I think even since he could use one there. Um, yeah. Definitely, definitely an intriguing player there. Uh, we got Mr. Mark T. Wilson on the phone. Oh, and look at that guy. I got his music already. The CEO of TrueLoveSports.com, Mr. Mark T. Oh, man, it's been like a year since I've heard that. It still sounds awesome. What's up, buddy? What's going on? Is that Henry? That's Henry. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's my boy right there. How you doing? <laughs> oh, we're doing good. Yeah, that was uh, my, well, I think 10-year-old son at the time. Now he's now he's, now he's 11, doing doing Mark proud there. Um, what is up? Our Philadelphia Eagles fan in the heart of the Bronx, right? Yes, sir. All right. Well, as usual, pretty boring off season for the Philadelphia Eagles. Not a, not a lot of moves. Not a lot of things happening. You know. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, I've been thinking, Mark, ever since uh, the Eagles fired Chip Kelly. I've been thinking of like the greatest metaphor to say to you about the whole situation, and I just can't. I mean, you keep coming back to something about you know chip off of the shoulder or whatever. I don't know. What what do you got? Are you excited about the the new regime and things coming. I mean, you know, I mean, you know, we talked, we talked last year, and I wasn't a big Chip Kelly fan to begin with. Um, you know, my biggest thing with the Eagles, well, my happiest moment was when they signed up Michael Jenkins. You know how I feel about Michael yeah. Jenkins, anyway. Oh yeah. Uh, the whole Chip era, man. I'm just, you know, I'm just happy that it's over. You know, that's always my hometown team. I'm always gonna love the Eagles. I'm just happy that uh, the guy is gone and the team can move on now. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Um. So with uh, Doug Peterson and Mr. Frank Reich kind of combining <laughs> schemes there, what do we what do we think about Jordan Matthews? Can he be that Jeremy Macklin kind of Keenan Allen mold since that's where Peterson and, and Reich came from? I mean you gotta look at um you gotta look at what Matthews did last year. Uh you combine his numbers to what um to what Jeremy Macklin did in Kansas City and I mean they pretty much identical. Uh I think it was like eighty four to eighty three catches. One went over a thousand yards. The other one, uh, Matthews, was at like nine eighty-seven. Both had eight touchdowns. So I mean, they pretty much in the same mold. My only issue is that now you have Frank Wright and Peterson. You might got too many brains in that pot, right there. Uh, mm-hmm. Frank Wright, I'm a big Frank Wright fan for what he did with Buffalo. I would love for them to bring back that Buffalo offense. Uh, Peterson, I'm not too much sold on because you haven't done much in Kansas City. They had one of the worst offenses when he was you know, when he was around. So. We're hoping he can do good things for the Eagles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, certainly a, a conservative style there. Nick, Nick, any questions for our buddy Mark? Uh-oh. Well, I know Jordan <laughs> Matthews had a 
had a big problem with the drops last year. Uh, do you see him as a good guy in fantasy leagues anyway to buy low on? Hopefully that his owners are maybe panicking a little bit, or are you trying to trade him away? Oh, I always, I always pick Matthews for, uh, for fantasy. My only issue with him is that he, somebody got to throw him the ball. I mean, if he was a running back, yeah, but he's a receiver, so you, you need a good quarterback to throw you the ball. He can drop passes. Everybody drops those passes. And Nick, we're not going to get on you when those Redskins, so we just want to stick to the Eagles right now. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm saying, so we're just going to keep that the way that it is right now. Keep it funky. But uh, Matthews, Matthews is a good fantasy uh, fantasy play for me, man. Yeah, the, the ceiling, the upside is just is so there. I mean, he's got the size, you know. He's got the, got the pedigree. I think he's what Jerry Rice's nephew or something like that. So you just – you know there's good – Great things in that body, and hopefully, uh, like Mark said, if they can if they can keep that quarterback situation decent, hopefully Matthews can break out. I, th- I think Matthews is the guy that they could kick outside. You know, Kelly really relegated him to the slot for some reason. I just don't get that with the guy his size. Where he's very good at that, I think he could use his size very well there on the outside. So. Speaking of quarterbacks, Mark, what do we think about Sam Bradford? <laughs> is it is is his value maybe like the same where it is last summer? I mean, now and now they brought in Chase Daniel to compete with him. What what do you think? Matthews doesn't have a value. That's see that that's that's the big thing. I mean, you know, he's been injured the majority of all his career. Uh, not even no, hasn't been to the playoffs yet. I don't know what to expect out of this dude. I mean, his numbers weren't too bad. Uh, well, we're like 19 touchdowns, 14 interceptions. But if you give this guy a, a better offensive line, which they, you know, which they all season, and just more, you know, more confidence going forward. I don't think Chip really had that confidence in him, and I don't think he had that confidence in Chip. So we, you know, we 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 gonna see what the season is about right here. This is his make or break career right here. Yeah, and hopefully, you know, having Frank Reich there, the former NFL quarterback, certainly. Certainly help him. I, I think you. I think it could. You could be in a worse situation. I mean, you could just yeah. have Mark Sanchez as your only quarterback still. I mean, you could be in that ah. situation like Denver um, or Kirk Cousins. Yeah. <laughs> oh, um, you know, he's all right. My bad, Nick. Um, I'm sorry, Nick. I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, it's all <laughs> no, I'm, I'm with um, you. I've never been a huge Cousins fan. I wouldn't be surprised at all if he was a one-year wonder there. <laughs> Um, should the falling ADP of Mr. Nelson Aguilar intrigue us, us, us guys that like to buy low? What do you think? think we yes. Got, yeah. This guy, I don't, man, I mean, he has the talent, yo. I mean, he has everything right there in front of his face. It's just, like I said, maybe it's Chip. So, you know, we can put a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of emphasis on what Chip done to that team. Chip is gone. So now if he can't step up this year, it's time for him to go. And, yeah, yeah. And he he would not be on my only reason he'd be on my fantasy team is if I pick all Eagles and I had no choice but to pick him. <laughs> okay. What what do you think, Nick? And I, I know you're pretty high on Aguilar last year. What do you think? I was really high on Aguilar last year. I took him fifth overall in one rookie draft and I'm I am i am over it. I'm <laughs> I'm washing my hands if I can. <clears throat> Wait a minute, wait a minute. Speaking of that, uh, Nick, uh, what, what place did you come in in our fantasy league anyway? <laughs> um, oh, my I, I, I'm sorry, Nick. I'm sorry. I, I believe I have the fourth overall <laughs> pick, so, yeah, not very yeah. good. Well, that's why uh, you ain't coming ahead of me, so that's all that matters. 
Okay. <laughs> oh, he's he's way out in Hawaii, Mark. He's so far away from you right now. You don't even know. Um, I know, I know, I know. I see the picture got a little Hulu, you know, Hulu shirts on and everything on there, cooking and everything, looking like the guy from Fifty First Dates. Well, I I actually had the second overall pick in our dynasty league, so we'll leave it we'll leave it at that. I had a worse year than that. So, right, uh, what, right. do you think, what do you think about Jordan Hicks? Is he going to just maybe take over there and squash uh, Michael Kendricks' value there in the middle for the Eagles? Man, I mean, as as much as everybody talk about these linebackers, Eagles probably have one of the best linebacking cores in the uh, in the NFL. Um, I mean, it's going to have to do. They just have to keep continue to split time. I mean, they had. Uh, I think Kendricks had about maybe twenty more tackles than Hicks did, and played like nine more games. So Hicks got the talent. They both young, twenty three and twenty five. Uh, man, they just got to split time. They're going to work that out somehow. They, as a team, man, they can be gruesome on sale. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, we'll see how that works out there because I think there's been some talk about them going to. Uh... The four or three, so both of those guys being middle linebackers, they're going to have to figure out Ooh. something there to keep them both involved there. So, um, any any more questions there for Mark, Nick? Um, well, the Eagles have been involved in a number of trades already in the off season. Are there any of them that have really stuck out to you as far as you being a big fan or really disliking any of them? Uh, the whole um, the uh, running back, the Marco Murray, that was I don't as much as he didn't like it. And once again, that's on Chip. I didn't expect them to get rid of him after that first season. I thought maybe, okay, well, we'll see what he can do with Chip is going. See if he can pound the ball, you know, 300 times. That was a that, that was a blindside move right there. Yeah, I mean, you would think, you know, at least at least the Peterson offense that produced Jamal Charles could could do good things there for DeMarco Murray. Yeah, I was I was a little surprised by that too and and but obviously he he wanted to be gone regardless of who the coach was there. So yeah, well, that's just just how how it works out unfortunately sometimes. But um uh I think speaking along that lines of Nick's question there. You guys I said it earlier, but you guys trading trading two players to move up five spots in the draft. I think that was a great move, and I think you're going to get some get a quality player there that's going to help your team out almost instantly. Um, but now I got a fun question for you, Mark. I, I didn't right. send this one to you, so I, so I wanted I wanted to catch you off guard. Um, but it's, it's fun. It's fun. If, if you listen to the podcast, you probably know what's coming. But um, of all the teams in this division, Mark, <laughs> who has the worst and most annoying fans? See, we went through this last year as well. See. Did we? Worst, yeah. See, I know the worst fans is by far the Eagles. We have, see, I remember back back, yeah, back in the days, our stadium was the only stadium in the NFL that had a gel built in the bottom of it. Uh, my, you know, Michael, Michael Orvin, like, broke his back, wheelchaired. Uh, they throw batteries at Santa Claus. And, uh, come on, we have the worst fan base in the NFL. Uh, who has the best? I was probably seeing the Redskins because they suck so much. And yeah, everybody still <laughs> loves them. Sorry, Nick. I don't know why you throw you under the bus like uh, that, bro. Uh, but you know, come on, <laughs> come on. They they try to take away the Redskins' name. Fans still were with them. They uh they got two worst bad quarterbacks. The fans still with them. It just they just have the best fan base in in you know in the division. Yeah, Sorry, you Nick. know, 
you know the Raiders have the best fans, or the most dedicated, right? I mean, they've been terrible forever, and we're still sticking on. But anyway. Yeah, yeah look <laughs> um, at you. Yeah, your profile is a Raider, so, yeah, you, yeah, you got heart. <laughs> yeah. I got something, all right. Um, <laughs> see, I was I did not remember asking you that question last year, Mark. So I, I apologize, but I was hoping I was opening up the floor for you and Nick just to just to gang up on some cowboys. But no, what, no Nick, do you man. have a, do you do you have a response to our infamous question? Um, well, of course, Redskins fans are the best, but uh, I, I would say the Cowboys fans, to me, have been the most annoying over the years. But, you know, that's also there's the big Redskins-Cowboys rivalry, so that might play into, yeah. into it a little bit. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah, pretty good. Okay. Uh, any any more questions you want to throw at Mark there, Nick? Um, can't really think of anything off the top of my head. Uh, what do you think your guys' biggest draft need is going into the draft? Man, um, I mean, like I said, the offensive line has been, you know, offensive line has been situated this off season. Uh, quarterback, you know, that's a, that, that's an iffy one. I still think we need to draft a quarterback. Um, wide receiver, I think we're pretty set on that. Running back, uh, come on now, we done moved up to the eighth spot now, so we can, you know I'm saying, we can get Henry, uh, with no problem. I don't see why we can't get Henry. Uh, I would love to have Henry or Elliott from Ohio State. If we can get one of those two back, Eagles are good. Matthews is not that uh, third down back, three down back. No. Yeah, and Henry would be a nice choice because he's he's that big thumper. I think you know people certainly believe in the talent of Elliott a little bit more, and not sure how Henry's going to translate. But uh, yeah, I, I I like that that like that thought there. I mean, I've been trying to ra- rally that thought of the Eagles taking Elliott at eight just ever since I heard about that trade. So um, you know, later on in the draft, you think. You know, there's still some question marks. They got they need to gain a, a receiver and probably offensive line help. You know, Jason Peters is is getting up there in age. Is there any anybody players that you like for the for your Eagles later on in the draft? Man, yeah, man, specific players. But uh, I mean, we got we got what uh, I think it's four picks in the first um, hundred picks. So I mean, you know, running back could be there, a backup quarterback. Uh, can all you know can also be had. Well, not a backup quarterback. A future quarterback can also be had. Offensive line, I think, would be okay. Even with Jason Peters being a hundred years old, you know, I think you can hold it down for like another year or two. Uh, a, a, yeah, so wide receiver, uh, wide receiver would be great. Uh, I would go with a wide receiver. A specific name, I don't have one off the top of my head either. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would certainly be somebody that could could help and offset the rest of the rest of the wide receivers there. So. Um, well, it's any unless you have any more things to throw at Nick, Mark. I think I think that's all we have for you today, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I got well, I got one more, uh, Nick. Um, at what point is uh, Gerson and uh, Jackson going to get on the same page here and become, you know, these two elite uh, wide receivers that I think they could be? Oh, that's a good question. Well, I, I think the key is Deshaun Jackson actually staying healthy and being on the field. That Redskins offense is a different animal when Deshaun Jackson is there and just the threat of his yes. speed and being able to stretch the defenses. So if he can stay healthy, I think good things are in the future, but I have questions as to whether or not that will happen. Well, all right, there, Nick. All right. He's solid, man. He's he's ready. Um, yeah, yeah, he's ready. Mark, as always, big pleasure. Love having you come on the podcast. I don't know if Nick's going to like it anymore, but I love having you on the podcast. <laughs> um, and 
like I said, there's a lot there's a lot of good people out there in this business, but there's not there's not too many too many better dudes out there than Mark T. Wilson. So check it out. Mark T. Wilson, the CEO of truelovesports.com. Just just go there and see what they're all about. Check them out. Appreciate you, appreciate you, Mark. Uh, before I go, I would also like to give a big shout-out. You have two new listeners down here in Florida, and Lisa and Jada. So I want to thank you guys for listening. I love you guys. So thank you for supporting us. And that's pretty much it. All right. Cool. Take care, bud. All right, fellas. All right. As always. Great, great stuff from from our buddy Mark. Uh, he got got a little vicious on you there, Nick. But uh, I know you can take it. <laughs> um, oh yeah, always great, always great having Mark on the show. Yeah, uh, great, great dude. Yeah, can't say that enough. Uh, but we have a dynasty dilemma to get to. Um, I want to go first the second time. It was my week to choose first. I want to go work first the second time. Um. And just, I want, this is whatever I like to segue and tell you who we're talking about next week. I think we're doing Gurley versus Ezekiel Elliott, and that's the one out of the division. Me and me and Ron, and there's there's another one in the division, but we'll uh, I'll and I'll remember that. Maybe I'll tweet it out. But anyway, uh, so I'm gonna let Nick go first as he pit Nelson Aguilar versus Ruben Randall. Now. I thought about this one a while ago, and I thought it was maybe closer than a lot of people thought, but I, I threw it out there on Twitter and on our site. Not a lot of people in your court there, Nick. So, uh, yeah, I think you got to, got your work cut out for you. But anyway, I'm done. I'm done second. Well, when you were in school, did you ever have an instance where the teacher called on you and you stood up all proud and almost boasted the answer because you were that confident that you were right, but you weren't right, you weren't even close? Well, that's pretty much exactly how I feel about my taking Nelson Aguilar at the fifth overall choice in a rookie draft last year. You know, I liked his tape. I loved the fit with the Chip Kelly offense. I thought Jordan Matthews' rookie numbers were going to be his floor. He's going to be rookie of the year, everything. Oops. (laughs) 23 catches, 283 yards, and one score in 13 games and 12 starts. Uh, He was outproduced by Riley Cooper and Brent Selleck. He never had more than three catches in a game, never hit 65 yards in a game. He wasn't even relevant in best ball leagues, save for one week. Uh, Now he's with an organization that hates everyone Chip Kelly brought in, and he was Chip's first-rounder, Gulp. Uh, now, Ruben Randall did not break out the way many thought he would last year. He had just under 800 yards after putting up uh, 71 catches for 938 yards in 2014. And we don't know where he's going to end up uh, winding up. He did visit L.A. recently. But uh, Randall did score a touchdown in each of his last four weeks last year, eight touchdowns on the season, four or more catches eight times. That's pretty reliable by week filling at the very least. And that touchdown run that he went on to close last season helped at least one owner win a championship, me. So, you know, maybe I like him a little bit more than I should because of that. And if he's asked to be a team's number one wide receiver, he might struggle. I fully admit that he's not a number one guy. But at least we've seen him perform in the NFL. We haven't seen that really from Nelson Aguilar yet. So I would have to take Randall. Okay. Well, you're good at this. You always are. You had me intrigued from your first couple of lines there. I'm just like, oh, he's going in a different direction here. I like that. Oh, but, but I think I got you. Uh, it seems to me after four seasons with the Giants, 
we have a pretty good idea of what Randall is. And after much inconsistency in 2015 opposite the all-world Odell Beckham, it's apparent the Giants feel the same and that Randall is not worth a raise from at least them. Recent rumors have Randall visiting the Rams, who have no quarterbacks worth a gall darn. Uh, Randall's career did appear promising after showing some healthy growth in, growth in the first three seasons. But what remains is the life of a journeyman wide receiver who can never really catch on and get, again and become a viable week-to-week fantasy option. Aguilar did not make that crack into the stratosphere like Bright, like many bright minds, see, I'm giving you props there, Nick. Like many bright minds thought he had or hoped that he would. 23 receptions on 44 targets and one touchdown were very disappointing. Although that one touchdown was awesome. I did see that. Um, and now the coach that drafted him is in San Francisco. New head coach Doug Peterson just came from an offense run by Captain Checkdown Alex Smith. Peterson is joining forces to implement the scheme with former Buffalo Bills QB slash former Chargers OC Frank Reich. Both of them have short yardage precision passing sets. And this is where I believe the wiggle of a guy like Aguilar will come in very, very handy. And since we've already know what Randall is, we have to allow Aguilar to mature to fully formulate an opinion on him, I believe. While Jordan Matthews has been very solid in the slot, I think the new regime will want to use him on the outside. That will spread out the defense and open things up, open running lanes up, as well as open things up for Aguilar to match up versus cornerback number twos or nickelbacks. Randall, who started, who stands six foot four, is, is a climb the ladder type, kind of high point wide receiver. While Aguilar is a more dynamic, who will absolutely ruin you if you give him any type of space. Randall can be effective in the red zone, but Aguilar certainly has a higher ceiling, and his potential is yet to be fulfilled. Randall, who currently who is currently teamless, may never top his career high totals of 71 receptions, 938 yards, and eight touchdowns. In fact, in four years in the NFL. Randall averages just 2.9 receptions per game and 41.3 yards per game. Now, I, those are decent all-season numbers there for a wide receiver, but when you that, when you consider those at your highs, that's not very good, and I think Aguilar is going to top that at some point in time in his career. Nick, any rebuttal? Um, I, I definitely agree with you that Aguilar has the higher ceiling. You know, we don't know. He could end up developing into a very, very good wide receiver, whereas you're right, we know what Ruben Randall is. He's a, you know, low-end wide receiver, too, for uh, NFL team's purposes. But that's that's more than we've seen from Nelson Aguilar so far. So I will take the sure thing in Randall over the, you know, possibility of Aguilar maybe developing into a solid player. Uh, like we heard from Mark T. Wilson, he's, he, he, as an Eagles fan, he said if Aguilar doesn't get it done this year, he's pretty much ready to wash his hands up. Very, very true. Um, like I said, in that short yardage passing game, I think we'll, I think we'll see some, they'll do some exciting things. They'll try it. They'll work some wrinkles in for him and try to make him make it more exciting within that offense there. So, um, that, oh, it's Nick's favorite time of the show. Time to talk about the Dallas Cowboys. 
Um, will Dallas, a lot of wills here, will Dallas address the backup quarterback situation? Will they ever address the backup quarterback situation? Well, you know, I hope not as a Redskins fan. Uh, they've got Kellen Moore right now. Uh, but, you know, really, you look at the free agent quarterbacks this season. If they had signed Chase Daniel to the three-year, $21 million contract that Philly gave him, you know, you'd be looking at close to $30 million a year between the two quarterbacks. They they can't spend that kind of money. Uh, you know, they realize that 90% of the teams who lose their starter are done. There's not 32 capable starters, let alone 32 quality backups. So I think they're smart. I mean, there's really no need to overpay for a guy who isn't going to be that much better than Kellen Moore is going to be for him. Hmm. So you would not suggest them taking a first-round pick on a quarterback just to get somebody entrenched when there's a couple guys at the top that people believe in? Ooh, it's the number four overall pick. Maybe if Cleveland doesn't take a quarterback and they're able to take uh, their top guy, uh, uh, Wentz probably at North Dakota is probably the top quarterback. I Maybe then, but I, I really think that Cleveland's going to take a quarterback, so I would not take the second-best quarterback with the fourth overall pick. Sure, yeah. And even if they don't take a quarterback, you know, it's going to be Tunsil, Ramsey, um, you know, and then and then you know what, Miles Jack. I mean, and that's just there's there's so much talent there right at the top. So yeah, if you don't want to maybe pull the trigger and go. But that being said, if you listen to our quarterback pro- prospect show last week, there's certainly quarterbacks deeper in the draft. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see them pull the trigger on somebody like you know maybe even a guy like the. Uh, the much-discussed Hackenberg. You know, if you know you're not going to play him for a couple of years, why not add him, like, in the third or fourth rounds? Um, will Darren McFadden be better than he was last season, Nick? What do you think? Well, last season, uh, 1,089 yards, three touchdowns, plus 40 catches for 328 yards. Uh, if the season started today, I think he would surpass those numbers as the Dallas' running backs, two, three, and four, are all gone. Uh, but I do think they're going to add a solid running back, too, probably via the draft. Some, you know, we mentioned some of them linked Dallas to Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, it, it all depends on who they add. But you do have to figure if Romo stays healthy, then McFadden probably is going to score more than the three touchdowns that he had last year in what would be a higher-powered offense than Dallas had. Uh, yeah, yet another team linked to Ezekiel Elliott. Well, while four seems kind of high. I put that I put Elliot there at um, my second mock in mid January, and people people said, "What is this, 1995?" Uh, but uh, I I don't know. I don't I don't think that would be a bad pick there for them. I I really don't. I think he's he's a, he's a definitely a game changing player. I know there's a lot of talent there within that those top you know five to eight picks. So. We'll we'll see ultimately what they do, but I I don't think that would be a bad pick. Um, as far as McFadden, like like Nick said, that they're obviously going to add somebody at some point in time. You know, he is that bigger kind of upright style back, so maybe Derrick Henry isn't isn't the answer there. Uh, you know, maybe I hate to say this thing, but maybe Alfred Morris. Maybe maybe they need a, a, another guy that can. Uh, do some things, you know, just straight up the middle while McFadden, he's not your prototypical third down back, but he can at least catch the ball out of the backfield. So if they, get, you know, add like a straight straight ahead runner, uh, that wouldn't be a bad idea. Can you believe Darren McFadden 
all 16 games last year? Are you kidding me? After after his tenure in Oakland, where he played in 16 games once, actually, and that was the last year he was there. He does it again, two straight years. Unbelievable. Yeah. Sorry. Just had to get that off my chest. Will Gavin Escobar ever emerge recently? Jason, why I can't think of his name. What is who's the tight end in Dallas? Jason Witten. Jason Witten said he does not plan to retire ever or anytime soon. I think is what he said. So you know they keep drafting these tight ends here and there. I mean, since you know like the days of Martellus Bennett, they keep drafting these tight ends, trying to be prepared for when he ultimately walks away. Uh, you know, Escobar just. 13 targets last year, eight receptions. Uh, Jeff James Hanna is also there. But, I mean, I think Escobar is the guy that they certainly believe has the talent to take over. But, I mean, when is he or is Dallas going to run out of patience with this guy? Well, yeah, and he's also recovering from an Achilles injury that they're saying could stretch into next season. But even if he is healthy, I mean, you look at his three seasons, he's only missed two games, so he's been fairly healthy other than the Achilles. But he's never had 10 catches in a season. Uh, he only had 64 yards in 14 games last year. And I know we've talked about four tight ends take time to develop, but I'm just personally not patient enough to wait a fourth year for a guy coming off a major injury like that. Uh, a fourth year where he has 26 career receptions. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, they're just a 6'6", 260. I mean, those those are intriguing measurables for a tight end, and he does have experience, whether it's, that, you know, not a lot of in-game experience. You know, he's at least been around there. And, you know, they're not going to replace Jason Witten overnight, and maybe, you know, maybe that prospect is still in high school, depending on when. Witten wants to actually hang it up. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I know people are, are – we talk about him because I know people are holding him in, in a lot of dynasty leagues that we're in, Nick. But, yeah, I I just don't get it. I, he still intrigues me. But, yeah, you, I don't know. It's just not – it's not going to happen in Dallas there. And I don't think people have seen enough to, to acquire him for another their squad and, and start him right away. So, it's probably not going to happen there. Yet another – Another travesty, but you know, hey, Martellus Bennett went elsewhere after getting not, not a lot of not a lot of looks there in Dallas and did some good things. So. Um, Will Demarcus Lawrence? And by the way, I have the sweetest picture of Demarcus Lawrence. I'm not really a fan, but the picture is awesome. It's going to be the top of the podcast right up. Uh, will Demarcus Lawrence take on that lead pass rusher role this year? What do you think? Well, some people thought the Dallas reached when they took DeMarcus Lawrence at the 34th overall pick in 2014. And after a rookie year with zero sacks and under 15 tackles, it looked like they may be right. But he really bounced back with a nice sophomore campaign, uh, eight sacks and 55 tackles. The arrow definitely does seem to be pointing up with DeMarcus Lawrence. My only concern would be that now he and not Greg Hardy is going to be offensive line's number one priority. Uh, sometimes uh, guys have a little struggle a little bit when they are the team's number one pass rusher. Yeah, and, you know, we'll see another – talk about this in a second too, I guess, but another name that I've re- more recently have been linked to Dallas is them taking Joey Bosa at number four. That would certainly help him out, it, you know, especially if they want to put Bosa on, on the left side or and let uh, – or, yeah, yeah. If they want to put Lawrence go, going against the right 
the right tackle there. You know, certainly the the inferior player typically. So if Lawrence gets gets some of those type of openings, and like you said, like I always like to say, enough experience to be dangerous. He certainly has that. The Randy Gregory suspension, you know, who knows if you're ever going to get out of him. And I, I know some people are actually not out, not ruling, out ruling Greg Hardy. Excuse me, yeah, Greg Hardy returning to Dallas. Uh, you know, once they let him test the market and see that absolutely nobody inter- interested, maybe they can pay him, you know, as, as small as they they can get away with and, and bring him back in. I don't know if they would actually do that, but I know there's rumors floating around out there like that. So. Uh, but yeah, I I like Lawrence, and like I said, with that experience level, I think he's a guy that can you know expand on those those eight sacks and maybe get into that double digit range. And fifty five tackles is pretty decent for a defensive end, and maybe maybe we can see an uptick in there. So I think I cer- certainly think he steps into that conversation of being a player at this point in time where you would want to start him every week in your full IDP. And I think he can, you know, be one of the, one of those feared pass rushers. It depends on how they fill in that defense around him, obviously, but I, I do like him and I like the talent that he has. So, uh, biggest draft needs, Nick, we've kind of been there with just about every one of these things, but, uh, does Dallas take a tight end at number four? No. <laughs> what do you think? Biggest draft needs? <laughs> Well, yeah, probably like pass rusher, running back, wide receiver, quarterback. Uh, Terrence Williams really, to me, seems more like a wide receiver, number three. Uh, Darren McFadden obviously needs some help there in the backfield. And the draft is a good way to find a cheap backup quarterback. Uh, You know, we mentioned Tony Romo's got a big contract, so it kind of prohibited them from finding quality backup through free agency. But I think if a good pass rusher is there to pair along with Demarcus Lawrence, I, I think that that's what they have to do. Or they could possibly trade down. It does seem like almost every year Dallas is involved in at least a one or two trades in the first three rounds. But you mentioned Joey Bosa as a possible name for him. I think that would be a pretty good fit. Or Ezekiel Elliott there at four. Uh, yeah, Miles Jack is another guy that's been linked to them. They, they obviously, being in this position, have a have a chance to add a very quality player in. And I think I think they would be crazy to trade down or like but I, like Nick said there, they do that often. So I wouldn't I wouldn't rule it out, but when you can add, you know even if it's like like Nick said, if Cleveland doesn't make a quarterback and it's Tunsil, Ramsey, you know, Jack and you still get Bosa there, I mean why why not? I mean Ramsey is a guy that Ramsey is another guy that if he if he slips, I mean that that the quality of player they can get right there is so good and and obviously needs somewhat of a factor. But whoever slips to them out of those four, I think is is going to be their top option. Um, I think they obviously need a running back. We've, we've been there, and there's players deep in this draft. And I and I also heard somebody talking uh, uh, Hunter Henry to. Uh, to Dallas at some point, maybe as early as the second round, since of course Mr. Jerry Jones is an Arkansas grad, and maybe bringing one of his one of his alma mater that would be that wouldn't not be a bad choice, and certainly not a good 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 choice for Henry's fantasy value, but uh, uh, maybe eventually it would be maybe he would be the next the next guy there. So, and you know there there is certainly a need there. I mean, even though Witten is not gonna not gonna walk off the field anytime soon you certainly need to be prepared even 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 now as we well established that Gavin Escobar is not the guy obviously their their line has been built nicely through the draft um and so you know maybe if they want to go to the other side and 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 put Bosa up there too 
they obviously have a need there at defensive end. But, uh, you know, Jack is a guy that you could do so much with. Ramsey, yeah. This is a team, I think, you know, given the fact that they're going to have, what, two picks in the top 35, 36, Nick, if they get two quality players and they and they have you know have success with them early, this is a team that's right back in the playoff picture. And I know it pains you to agree with me there, but you have to, right? Um, yeah, likely. I, I really did think that last year they were going to struggle, and they did. But like you said, if they can add a couple quality players that come in and contribute immediately, then yes, they could be uh, the NFC East. It's such a, such a crapshoot. None of these teams are dominant, so yeah, they could definitely compete for a division title. Yeah. Yeah, you, you just don't know which team is going to emerge. So. Well, Nick, it's time to talk about your Redskins. But I didn't, I didn't uh, forget about this little this little nugget we have stored in the queue here. that for Mark. He would love that. <laughs> um, <laughs> don't, <laughs> don't, I mean, does any other NFL team have a sweet song like that? I don't really know if they do. I mean, the Raiders did a music video and the Bears got the Super Bowl shuffle. I know they got, I think Buffalo has one. Pittsburgh maybe has something similar, but uh, you know, I know the know. Vikings have one. Sko Vikings. Oh, jeez. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, what a great song. Song, but anyway, it's time to hail the Redskins, Nick. What do you, what do you, what are your thoughts, overall feelings? I mean, they didn't make the playoffs last year. You think they could do that again? Well, I think that ultimately depends on uh, if Kirk Cousins is a one-year wonder or if he's the real deal. If he's the real deal, he stands to be a very rich man. That's for sure. After getting uh, nineteen point nine million to play this year. Yep, and. Maybe needing a raise if he is the real deal. So uh, let's look at the wide receiver first. I know, I know. Mark asked a great question about Jerson and Jackson there, and they they certainly have some some decent things they can do, and they've been capable players throughout their career. But they are, you know, approaching that thirty mark as well. What do you think about uh, the young guy? It's just five foot eight. I was very vocal about him not being the success, but he he carved out a nice niche there with Jameson Crowder there. What do you think? What is his ceiling there, Nick? Uh, yeah, Jamison Crowder is definitely a pleasant surprise. As I believe he's a fourth-round pick last year, but at only five foot eight, hundred eighty-five pounds, I think he's strictly a slot guy. But he is pretty good there in the slot. He had between four and eight catches every week from week three to week ten. Then he admitted that he hit the rookie wall. So if he can be a steady five catches for fifty yards average with a handful of touchdowns, he could be a very nice bye week plug in fantasy purposes. Hey, will he ever be a top twenty, a top thirty guy? That's not likely. He's just too small. But he definitely can be useful, useful piece to your fantasy puzzles. Well, thanks for talking me down. Since I was so wrong about him, I felt, you know, I felt like he could really, uh, really bust out. But you, you are probably right there. You know, just a 
and just a decent guy. And, and one thing that I, one thing that really does intrigue me about him, I'm, and now here I go, I'm going to get excited about it, is the fact that, yes, he is a slot guy, and yes, he is fast, but he also does great work in the short yardage. You know, he's got that, he's got that deceptiveness, and he also can be a reliable PPR guy. I think he's, you know, he can be that possession receiver being, being his size. And you don't see that a lot. I mean, you know, he's not Antonio Brown. But that's an, that's another guy that, that is a smaller in stature that does really, you know, really good things in the intermediate routes. And, and Crowder does that. And you see that early, you see that great route tree and you, you see the fact that yes, he can get deep too, but he can also help out, all over the field, which I think certainly makes him a player that you want on your roster, even if it is just a bi-week fill-in or, you know, if you own D-Jax, he's certainly a player that uh, you want to, you want to keep around. He's, he's quality. And I think, I think he can get better. I, you know, I'll, I'll try to try stop overhyping him, Nick, because you'd make some very valid points there too, but that's, that's just kind of what I like about it. Um, can the Jordan Reed, Kurt, Jordan Reed, Kurt Cousins connection overcome the extra attention it's going to receive? Nick, what do you think? We're probably we're probably looking at some double teams for Mr. Jordan Reed this year, don't you think? Um, maybe. Uh, first and foremost, uh, Jordan Reed has to stay healthy. He did last year, but he had some injury concerns uh, pre- previous to last season. But really, I think their numbers ultimately hinge on whether or not Deshaun Jackson stays healthy. Now, as a fan, I really do not like Deshaun Jackson that much. I'll admit one of my favorite things to do in Madden is to throw to him over the middle just to watch him get creamed. But, you know, it's undeniable the effect he has on the defense. His speed just opens things up for everybody underneath, especially a guy like Jordan Reed. So as long as Deshaun Jackson's on the field, I think it's going to be really hard for teams to double-team Jordan Reed because they're going to be worried about getting beat deep. Yeah, yeah that's, a, that's a very valid point in that situation. I'm just not uh... – It'll it'll be interesting to see, like you said, with Cousins too and, and Reed, how how they try to overcome because they're going to really have to adjust and not like week to week. They're going to have to adjust, you know, in game if if people are shutting down that connection right away. And if even if that means throwing an incomplete pass to Djax deep, that's what they have to do. But we'll see we'll see how they adjust. We'll see how they you know try to keep that that defense on their toes and not not know where where they're going to come from. And Jordan Reed is such a, such a great mismatch too. So that's a player that, you know, you need to account for in a lot of different situations. So I think you, you gotta, you gotta go with it. Go with that. I think that Reed is going to be, uh, hopefully step into that top five, six set if he stays healthy for, uh, for, for a handful of years here. We're going to talk about uh, Jordan Reed and our question and answer coming up here on Saturday. Uh, so make sure you check that out. There should be some very interesting answers because mine are super long and uh, they just, they're, they're really good. So check it out. Check that out on Saturday. Um, we also had a great piece on the Philadelphia Eagles stop uh, a drop today by Jamie Will, uh, just kind of talking about their new offense and what you can expect from those guys. Uh, obviously we're talking about this. We talked about some of that today too. Um, tons of prospect profiles coming through in DFW. So make sure you check that out. I had my Kenneth Dixon one come out on Monday, Farrell Cooper yesterday, uh, Cardell Jones today. So, uh, good, good stuff there. Make sure you, make sure you're keeping up on these prospects. We're, we're doing it for you and hopefully you can figure out what you need there in your rookie drafts. 
Where are we, sir? Matt Jones, Nick. What do you think about your guy, Matt Jones? He will finish as RB what in 2016? Well, you might think I'm a little high on him, but remember that only seven running backs rushed for over 1,000 yards in 2015. So I think they drafted Matt Jones to be the guy in the backfield, and if that's the case, he's going to be over 1,000 yards, so that would put him in the top ten. He is better in the passing game than Morris, so if the third down back, Chris Thompson, gets hurt again, Jones could end up being a three-down guy. Uh, So I'll say that while he's not a top ten talent, I think he ends up as the running back number seven. Now, of course, that could change if they were to say draft Ezekiel Elliott there with uh, in the first round. Now, yes, we now linked Elliott to all four teams in the NFC. uh, (laughs) I think as of right now, Matt Jones stands to be a top ten guy. Uh, uh, I'm trying to think who we haven't linked Ezekiel uh, Elliott to. That would be ridiculous. Um, Watch the Rams Miami. Yeah, there, there you go. Well, you know, Trey Mason just got arrested for pot last week, so maybe, there you go. Uh, they need a backup for Drew. Um, um, Miami, though, I know I don't, I don't, I don't want to say it because I'm a huge JGI owner, but uh, Miami's got an early pick. They they tried to get C.J. Anderson. I, I was so surprised that. Uh, Sorry for the split in action here with your Redskins, but I was so surprised that Denver not only matched the heat, but they waited to the last minute. I mean, what does that say? I mean, I heard CJ talking on uh, Mike Florio's pro football talk show this morning, and he he seems still pretty confident, and he he seems like he was going to be confident either way. But uh, uh, interesting move there by Denver, and who knows? But you know, they needed to do something, I think, to help that fan to keep that fan base. Uh, I know they just won the Super Bowl, but you can't just put all your offensive players go when you're losing a couple guys in the defense, too. Uh, they got some work to do. Um, what do you think about Preston Smith, Nick? Uh, will he be given the majority snap count? You know, they, I loved what they did with him last year. They kind of slowly worked him in. And, geez, he was still towards the towards the top of your team, I think, on sacks. What do you think? Can he Can he get better here and get that majority snap count, be a really, really nice IDP player? Um, I think he can. I just look at how he finished the season. In the last three games of last year, he had four tackles and a sack, four tackles, three sacks, and a forced fumble, and then two tackles and a sack. Uh, compare that to Trent Murphy. Trent Murphy has six sacks combined in his two seasons. He's never had over five tackles in a game last year. So, yeah, I think uh, Preston Smith has all the upside when you compare those two. I, I would, I think he should. He, I think he's earned the right to be the majority snap count guy there. Um, as, as we're talking, story broke at 1.21 p.m. Or, excuse me, 12.21 p.m that the Redskins have re-signed Junior Gillette, <laughs> uh, who actually plays the same position as uh... – did that happen yesterday? No, that happened today, yeah, okay. And he plays the same position as Smith, so I guess I guess not that Smith is going to see a huge downtick in, in, in snaps because of this, but uh, certainly an, an interesting development there. And uh, But Smith is a guy, even if it takes him another year to, to – to get that majority snap count, I think you need to you need to hold on him because he's. I think he he has the size to be a very special player. Six foot five, two seventy one, kind of big for an outside linebacker, but he already had eight sacks in limited time. So you, you got to think there's some some good things coming there from him. 
Um, whoa. Biggest draft needs, Nick. What do you got? Well, they went much to my dismay. They went with an offensive lineman in the first round last year. What 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 do you think they need to address right away? What is it? Pick twenty two. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think in the middle rounds they probably look at uh, running backs and wide receiver, but early on probably the defensive line you know, or the secondary, possibly the offensive line. Uh, we know the GM Scott McLuhan likes big tough guys, so in the first round uh, I, I think it's got to be probably a guy that plays in the trenches. I don't know if it'll be offense or defense, but it seems like that's that uh, McLuhan likes to build the teams from the lines uh, outward. And on March 11th, the Redskins signed Kendall Reyes, a defensive end. Uh, kind of the small – they're making these small kind of under-the-radar moves the last couple of years and saving some saving some money and certainly a guy that I don't, you know, I don't necessarily hate, uh, but uh, a guy that could be a nice place filler if they, if they need him to. Um, both the guys, uh, both the defensive, I know they're technically defensive tackles, but, you know, with Washington operating out of the 3-4, um, I think both the guys out of Alabama, Jaron Reed and Ashawn Robinson, can certainly step up and play in the def- defensive, the 3-4 defensive end mold there, to, you know, kind of fill that fill that gap there in the in the 5-tech. So I, I like both of those guys there, even uh, – uh, Dodd uh, out of Clemson or Lawson out of Clemson. Both of those guys could could fill in great in this scheme. And I also really like Emmanuel Ogba, who some people are down on, but guy that rushes with a lot of power. And if you, like Nick said, if that's if that's the kind of players they like, he's he's maybe a, a decent choice for them. And I think he's a guy that's certainly going to be around when they go to <coughs> excuse me when they go to when they go to pick there in the early twenties. So. Um, any any specific names that you could see fixing uh, a city with your team there, Nick? Um, not really. Uh, uh, McLuhan kind of surprised people uh, with the Brandon Scherf pick last year with the fifth overall when uh, Leonard Williams was still on the board. So he's not going to necessarily do the popular thing. He's going to do what he thinks is the best way to build the team, which is a nice change from uh, what Redskins fans have seen in the past. And I know center Corey Lichtensteiger was potentially going to be released, so uh, I can't remember where he's at in his contract-wise. But he's a, he's a guy that's been there for a, for a while now and done some good things for that team, and he missed a bunch of time last year. So maybe they'll let down on him, and maybe that's the position there is neat. Um, the top two centers in this in this draft, I love Ryan Kelly out of Alabama and Nick Martin out of Notre Dame. Of course, his brother Travis plays for the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, but both of those guys are going to be very, very quality pros. So I would look to Washington to maybe address that situation in the second round, probably. So, um, any other thoughts there about your guys here, Nick? Um, just that I am not completely sold on Kirk Cousins. I'm glad that they decided to give him the one-year deal and make him earn the long-term contract. I mean, really, the guys had like half of a good season uh, in his four-year career. So. Uh, Nineteen and a half, or almost twenty million, is a lot to the to pay a guy under the franchise tag, but it's a lot better than committing, say, seventy million to Brock Osweiler and watching him move on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and like you said last week, uh, seventy seventy percent of his passes. That's, that's that's pretty good in the first first full season of uh, quarterback in duty. Um, and in case you're wondering if Jordan Reed is coverable or not, you got to check out the picture we have in the right up here. 
it's basically him catching touchdown pass between like five Chicago Bears and nobody's even near him. Nobody's near enough to knock the ball away. So uh, I guess the guy's pretty good. He's pretty athletic. So good things, good things there out of Matthews. It's time for our IDP dynasty dilemma, Nick. Um, again, I thought, geez, when I said this one to you, I was like, man, I, I don't know, you know, and Vern, Olivier Vernon versus Fletcher Cox. I took Vernon. Um, as much as I love Cox, I think he's um. <laughs> say that. Uh, much as much as I love Fletcher Cox, I think I think he's got some issues to to uh, to um overcome this year. So we'll get to that here in just one second. So, unlike my crushing defeat of Nick in the Ruben Randall versus Nelson Aguilar dilemma, I really have to mountain to climb here. And good luck to Nick referring to Cox and not making it sound awkward. Oh, <laughs> I just did that. Um, Vernon has 29 career sacks in 64 career games. Some may point to him playing opposite Cameron Wake as a key reason for his success. Yet it was when Wake went down in 2015 that Vernon absolutely took over. It remains to be seen if New York will use Vernon on the right or left, at light, right or left defensive end. But I think it depends on how effective JPP can be. Um, yet Vernon is now their big ticket item, so you know they're going to probably let him do what he wants to do. Uh, Vernon gives the Giants flexibility because he can play on both sides of the line although he is better suited to play the right hand. In New York, that would mean he'd be backed by the speedy outside linebacker Devon Kennard and the tackling maven Landon Collins' strong safety. That will open up penetratable holes for Vernon to get at the quarterback. Now, I know they paid him a bunch of money, and it's hard to say that anybody is ever worth that. I don't think he is, but, you know, if he gets a dozen sacks for the next three years, I think I – think people are going to forget about that contract. Cox is a well-established interior pass rusher who is moving from five-tech or 3-4 three, three, defensive end to three-tech or more of a traditional 4-3 defensive tackle. His responsibility will be now more run-stopping or, or up-to-gut penetration. Cox had 22 career sacks, nine and, and nine, nine and a half of those came in 2015. Some will be optimistic that his maturity is flowing uphill. Yet, and yet Cox is who is already switching, who is again, excuse me, switching positions is also in sore need of a contract extension because his expires at the end of the 2016 season. Um, he, like I said, he had a great year, and I'm a huge fan of Fletcher Cox, but I just have doubts about what his what he's going to look like in that new look defense. There, uh, people are also very quick to point out that Vernon was just hot for that half a season. Yet, he recorded 11 and a half sex way back in 2013. So basically, it's your boring old but feared run-stopping def- run defensive tackle versus the sexy but also feared right defensive end. Who would you choose? Nick, what do you got? Well, yes, Vernon is the big, splashy free agent acquisition. He got five-year, $85 million contract from the New York Giants, but I personally don't think he's worth it. Uh, 29 sacks over four seasons. He had his high uh, career high at 11.5 sacks in 2013. That's the only year he's been in double digits. 
Uh, he had seven and a half sacks last year and 61 tackles, 188 career tackles in those four years. Uh, you know, as is typical in free agency, a good pay, a good player got paid like a superstar. Don't be fooled by that $85 million that he's going to actually earn that money. Uh, plus, now he's in new surroundings. Sometimes it takes a while for a defensive line with so many new pieces to gel. Now, Fletcher Cox isn't as big of a sack guy. He's got 22 career sacks with career-high nine-and-a-half sacks last year. But I like that he's coming off a career year. He also had a career-high 71 tackles last season. That's 10 more than Vernon had. Uh, Cox is also more of a playmaker. He's got five forced fumbles, six fumble recoveries, and a touchdown, whereas Vernon only has three fumble recoveries. Three forced fumbles and zero recoveries in his career. Uh, one more, one more point about Fletcher Cox. You remember towards the end of last season, it appeared some of the Eagles players just may have quit on head coach Chip Kelly, especially once they were eliminated, eliminated from playoff contention. Well, there's no way you could accuse Cox of quitting. Here's his numbers over the last four games: eight tackles in a sack, six tackles in a sack, seven tackles, two sacks and then eight tackles. Those are pretty solid numbers for a defensive lineman, especially on a team that's basically given up. And, you know, the Eagles sound like they really want to lock him down long term. Hopefully they're able to get that done. Uh, Lucky for him, he was there before Chip Kelly, so he's not going to be one of those guys they'd get rid of just because Chip Kelly brought him in. Uh, Now one last meaningless point. I'm not above using middle school level humor at times in my trash talking, and that's a lot tougher to do with a guy named Vernon. And, you know, isn't really isn't having fun with this game is all about. So you got to have a guy like Cox on your team, right? Oh, <laughs> uh, you went there. Um, well, i got to <laughs> admit, because I, I'm a member of our IDP staff here, that sometimes I cheat, it, I cheat and, I, and I huddle the IDP guys together and say, okay, this is what i got going on. I need to take Nick down. What, what do you got for me? And I and I, I kind of addressed it as you know. I think, I think like I said earlier, I think Cox is going to be shifting into that new defensive, defensive tackle, which is a position that he played as a rookie and he was drafted at, um, and they kicked him to a defensive end when they would change his defensive scheme. Um, so, um, our buddy Jay Liston, uh, you know, talked about. The fact that some other guys have produced while well, they pushed inside. Corey Leggett did some very good things there in San Diego. But, you know, what Fletcher Cox did last year, if he's going to be playing a different position, especially more of an interior position, I think it's going to be really hard to overcome. On the flip side, our, my big brother, crazy Bruce Kimber out there in San Francisco, was adamant that Cox is not going to lose that much value. Um, and that he could play the the defensive end there in the four three, but basically, you know, no matter what happens, he's going to be playing a different position than he played for the last three years. So, I think there'll be somewhat of a little adjustment period. Oh, while he is a very savvy veteran, I just think moving to a different position and a different responsibilities. Although he's, you know, if it is defensive tackle, he's played there before. It's just going to affect his value at least for this season, where I think Vernon could be a double-digit sack monster there for the Giants. So, any other thoughts there, Nick? Uh, you brought up very good points about uh, about Fletcher Cox switching positions. That could definitely affect his value. But, you know, we had the same questions with Vernon, not only switching positions, but switching teams, switching teammates, getting used to a new system, and new uh, surrounding players, trying to gel with them. It's, uh, it's a lot it's a lot of question marks, plus the fact that it seems to me, and I didn't do the research on this, but it just feels like 
most defensive linemen that get huge contracts in free agency fail to live up to those contracts. So that scares me a little bit. Uh, yeah, and that's a lot to, to tag on somebody, especially going to a major market like New York as well. So, and there I go talking against myself. But um, that is all we have for you this week. Um, like I said, next week, Ron McLeese and Sonia Greenfield will be joining us uh, as Nick has the week off. Nick, have fun. Drink lots of lots of pineapple, whatever it is you drink out there. <laughs> and uh, uh, when Nick returns, we will, let's see, we'll be March 30th as we talk about the AFC South. So you can get ready for, ooh, just, just a little bit of a dilemma here as we pit DeAndre Hopkins versus Allen Robinson. And it's your choice. So, there you go, Nick. That's what, that's what you get for when you return as we talk about the AFC South. So, uh, like I said, next week, Ron McLeese, Sony Greenfield, NFC North talk, kind of the dynasty happenings we have seen so far this off season and trade, uh, excuse me, draft, draft prep and whatnot. We'll be doing some of the normal things, even though Nick that won't be here. We'll be doing some dynasty dilemmas and dynasty trade analysis and whatnot. So uh, make sure you check that out. Make sure you check out the prospect show from last week as well there. We would, we'd appreciate that because we worked hard. We did, we dug deep. We we studied 15 different quarterbacks, 12 different tight ends, even though it didn't seem like it was reasonable. We did it anyway. So uh, make sure you check that out. Nick, any closing thoughts? Oh, just had a great show today. Uh, looking forward to being back with you in a couple of weeks. Have a great day. All right, cool. Thank you, folks, so much for listening. We uh, we appreciate you. And uh, make sure you check out those prospect profiles flowing right now in DFW. There's a lot of them. They're very, they're very short and to the point, so make sure you go check that out when you have a moment because we know, we know your dynasty team still has needs. You're not drafting, you're not trading crazy like in DFW 48. I don't think anybody else does that. So. Uh, take care. Have a good. Thanks for listening to the Dynasty Bowl Podcast with Jakey, Gail, Hero, and Doc Johnson.
The ball is placed at the one-yard line. 